bear with the uh, you know the beta the beta ness of this. Exactly. We're master beta beta testers. We're, we're beta fish. Right. Beta fish and master betas. <laughs> Hey everybody, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? What are you what are you thinking? What are you having? What are you where are you going? It's uh, Scott Johnson here with Justin Robert Young. Hello. Hi everybody. This is going to be uh, an amazing experience. This is a beta episode, which means it'll probably still be number one in the podcast feed in in tens of thousands of years when people go back through the history of Western civilization and say, What was this podcast phenomenon known as Hotline Monday? <laughs> They will find these voices to greet them on episode one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, welcome to the beta. It's a test. Uh, like all betas, the goal here is to hop in, see what's what, uh, decide whether or not our fancy idea has legs, and if it stands, then uh, we continue on. Actually, who are we kidding? We're continuing on either way. This is just the rough and tumble first episode. Whether you like episode. it or not. Yeah, whether you like it or not. Part of what this is is taking live phone calls. I'll give you an example. Like this yeah. one, someone already called in. Hi, live caller. Who's this? Hi, this is Jordan from Ohio. How are you guys doing? Jordan from Ohio. That's a long ways away. Uh, it is a long ways away. Well, it is for me anyway. Jordan, uh, well, <laughs> welcome to the show and thanks for calling already. We'll give out, by the way, folks uh, listening live, you've just tuned in. We'll give you that number in a second, but I want to know what Jordan has to, to ask or say or, or to tell us. What's going on? Well, I, uh, I have no idea what's going on with the show right now. I just got off work. Um, I've heard... I think it was on Thursday that you guys are starting to shindig, and I was excited to actually have something to call into when I get off work on Mondays. Oh, and, that's uh, it. I Isn't that interesting? Jerry, I want to stop him right there and just just kind of uh, lay a little gift at the feet of Justin Robert Young, who had this idea that maybe, just maybe, yeah. the podcasting world doesn't have enough drive time content that's exactly. live and people can call into. So, so speak to that for a second, why you thought that was a good idea. Well, because, uh, you know, uh, it's an idea that we totally invented and certainly hasn't been uh, around in radio for <laughs> decades, if not a century, that turns out people have a lot of time to interact with people, uh, loud chattering heads when they get off from work and they're waiting there in their cars, stuck in traffic, which I can only imagine the Ohio area means you are either uh, near the, the metropolitan centers there and it is super annoying. But now we have... Uh, an outlet to talk to you. So, uh, uh, Kevin, right? Uh, Jordan. 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 Jordan in Ohio. Uh, Jordan, uh, we're about to start uh, the show. You are literally the first voice uh, that has ever called in. Is there anything on your mind that, that you want to get us rolling here with? Something that happened over well, the weekend or just something on your brain? And there's a whole lot of pressure to be the first voice in the first question. <laughs> um, I do have to make a comment, though. Um, Ohio, I'm driving through cornfields and um, a bunch of middle-of-nowhere areas. I've got a 45-minute commute from Ottawa, Ohio, to Ada, Ohio, two cities that I'm sure you've never heard of. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there's not a whole lot going on here, man. Like, I'm, I'm passing the only restaurant in the city, which is, like, Pizza Hut, um, on my way to my other really tiny city. Wow. Uh, actually, it's a village. I live in a village, not a city. So hold on. So, did, you grow, um, did you grow up in this area? This is, part, this, is your, uh, this is your home stomping grounds for your whole life? Okay. I grew up in Lima, Ohio. I moved to Orlando, Florida when I was a, a youngin, and then I moved back to Ohio to work for a church organization up here. All right, so let me get this. Let me, let me, I just want to get this straight in my head. I also grew up in a relatively small suburb that the biggest restaurant we had was like a Pizza Hut. 
And, yeah. and I'm telling you right now, I just want to clear this up for history's sake. Pizza Hut's all right. Like, listen, I know that when there's, you know, a million choices around you, like where I live now, I can go anywhere I want to. A whole, a whole range of fancy lays before me in terms of what I can eat if I want to go out. But back then, especially when I was younger, who cares, dude? There's root beer there. They had, you know, pizza of various kinds at the oh Pizza Hut. Oh, my goodness. Arcade love- machine. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, Jordan, I love that as your commute stands as the lucky Pierre between the Eiffel Tower of two uh, uh, small-town Ohio villages that our first hot take that we have on Hotline Mondays is, is Scott lighting into critics of Pizza Hut because it's not fancy enough. Thank Listen. you. You have given us a gift, Jordan, that nobody could possibly have crafted. Thank you so much. Yeah. It is Call- my pleasure. I'll be calling back frequently. All right. I always get off five you let us know. Have one, St- you have a good one. Taking take that view, man. It's not always going to be there. We'll industrialize Ohio uh, at some point. Or Iowa. Where was it? Iowa or Ohio? Uh, now? Ottawa, Ohio. Got which it. just seems like two great tastes that taste great together. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we, we, we want this to be a Geek Talk radio show. We yeah. want this to be an outlet where you can discuss with Scott and I a lot of the geek topics that uh, certainly are discussed in many places, but never really in this format. Sports has got a million sports talk radio shows. News and, po- and politics have a million uh, talk radio shows wherein people can, can voice their own opinions. Geek topics do not have that. And here's what we want your calls on today. Deadpool comes out and is amazing. I really loved it. And and specifically, financially, a blockbuster. Biggest R-rated opening in movie history. Does smash, 8 million yeah. more mm-hmm. in its opening week uh, than Man of Steel did. Again, let that sink in. More than Superman, which has a little bit of a higher Q rating than <laughs> Deadpool. Uh, at a, uh, with, with theoretically a more restrictive a uh, 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 rating with with an R rating. However, now the big buzz is which franchises are now going to get R rated versions, adult centric boobs and <laughs> F bombs versions of your favorite comic books. Uh, Scott, do you think that this is a good development? I, are you uh, excited? I can't even know where to start. I, that's, I can't even say the sentence right. I can't even know where to start is what I said. I, I am, okay, there's two things at play here. One, well, let me address let me address the success of this film over the weekend in one particular way. Sure. I didn't see a lot of this, but in my viewing on Friday night at 10 o'clock or so, yeah, I saw at least two sets of parents who went in with their relatively young kids. I want to say those kids looked 10 to 12. Uh-huh. And came out looking bewildered, shocked, and freaked. Actually, one couple did. The other couple, I think, may have hightailed it out of there in the middle of the thing. They may uh, have gotten to the stripper scene. Move. Yeah, they got to the stripper scene and went, oh, all right. I think he's, my 10-year-old's not quite ready to see a vaguely obscured vagina. Yeah. Uh, so that so that seemed to push them away. But these other people just looked confused and like, wait a minute. I thought superhero movies were, I mean, I'm I'm reading a lot into their faces, but. I wonder how much of the success of this movie is just straight up people who don't know any better, who just sent their kids or the kids themselves snuck around or whatever, but the intended 17 and older audiences isn't necessarily 
the the only people seeing this thing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, if a big right, radar that, that people wanted to see a movie that was very much marketed as cheeky, subversive, mm -hmm. if not profane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know the the poster that is right now in front of my my local movie theater here in in uh, Oakland, California, is Deadpool with his gun. Uh, uh, over his his genitalia, saying like, "Say hello to my package." So it's like, you know, it, it certainly did not. Uh, if kids are sneaking into it, yeah. they are sneaking into it for the same reasons that people snuck into Porky's mm. or or you know uh, other movies that were The Hangover, right? Mm. That were not for them, were marketed as uh, R-rated mature movies and young people want to be more mature than they are that's just something that has happened since the dawn of time yeah so they go see this movie yeah uh, uh, uh again you can call in with your uh your thoughts on what other franchises you either do or don't want to see as an r-rated version 801-895-474-4724 again 801-895-474 Two, four. We have a uh, listener right here, in fact. Let's find out what this person is uh, all about in their lives. Who's this? Hi, it's Monica. How are you guys doing? Hello, Monica. I uh, I what? hope, you're, I hope your afternoon... Well, what part of the world do we find you in? Oh, I am in Texas. Oh, good Lord. So it's uh, you're an hour ahead of us. You're probably still working or something to that effect. Uh, but yet you... Yeah, yeah. You, I'm a college student, but I still work in, on campus. So I'm here until five. All right. Well, good. Nice, do, you, do, you nice. have a, do you have a hot uh, hot take on this whole, let's make... Um, we didn't get into it too much yet, but we will. But this idea that there needs to be now a spate of superhero movies that decide <laughs> to go obs, obs, you know, obscene and subversive and all that. Yeah, well, y'all were kind of talking about it on TMS this morning, and I doubt it'll ever happen. But I feel like Wolverine would be a cool R-rated one. So they so it let's talk about what they would do to do that. They'd have to ramp up the violence, probably. And jury, oh, yeah. jury that's no problem, story. right? Like they could totally no. do that with with well, that. Well, he's movie. got claws on his hands. He can ramp up that gore very easily. <laughs> so, but but let me ask you this: aside from having the violence in the movie be a little bit more graphic, it's not like there's any lack of Wolverine slashing people in any of the yeah. X-Men movies, right? It would just be us lingering on the shots of people getting their throats slit or faces mauled beyond recognition. Is there anything else that is canonical to Wolverine that, that is made better by either I violence, mean, boobs, or language? His gruffness, it lends very well to the whole S-bombiness that was in... Deadpool. I mean, I feel like that wouldn't be out of character for him. Yeah. And he, one of the yeah, one of the X Men movies, he's the only one that dropped an F bomb and you're like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But also moreover, the story like if I'm looking at overall plot lines, if I could levy any complaint about Deadpool, it would be it's kind of a traditional tropey story. Yeah. Wrap, oh, yeah. wrapped in a bunch of profane packaging that somehow makes it so you forget how tropey the actual core story is. But it's still pretty tropey. Oh, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's the point, though. The point is that you kind of drop Deadpool into this origin story movie 
And the entire time, he's just kind of looking at you, the audience, and saying, ooh, look at me. I get an origin story movie. I bet you this is where the evil person comes and makes me uh, super-powered. And now here's the big scene where we're walking up. Like, like uh, He's like reveling in the fact that, that, that he knows what's coming. You know what's coming. And that's what mm -hmm. binds the audience to the character. I think that that's that, 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 that the, the trope element of it, which is something that I read a lot that kind of critically dug into the movie, I think is is the point. Like if it was a crazy going in different directions uh, film, I don't think it would have the same uh, the same kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're all on the same page nature to it. Well, the, the problem with breaking fourth walls in movies like this or like even in the comic, it takes a very deft hand in the writing to make sure that that all works really well together. He he had moments in this movie of sadness. There were moments of actual heroicness. There were moments yeah. of of uh, sort of thoughtful, uh, you know, visual style or whatever. And those moments seem to clash with his knowing, his, his self-knowing uh, fourth wall breaking moments in a way that I don't know how you get around it. Now, mind you, I think this is very hard to do. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're basically having him make fun of every single moment in the film. That doesn't really work either, so you can only go so far with it. I think that that was having that element, and that's where the tropes help, because he doesn't have to say out loud every single time, hey, look, this is a thing that's going to happen, or this is what normally happens in these kind of movies. We've seen 30 of these at this point, right? We've yeah. watched three a year for 10 years. So, uh, the, the, like, we know that that's what happens. We know that uh, the bad guy is going to come for the girl. Like, we know these elements, which is why yes. this isn't so hard of a movie to talk about. I think we're, we're eventually going to have to hold some of the spoilers for the end of the movie because we don't want to spoil things for people. But at the same time, what's really to spoil? Nothing. It's Deadpool getting dropped into a, a superhero <laughs> origin story and having a great time. Yeah, it's again, it's a, it's a very subtle thing I'm talking about. I don't disagree with you. In fact, I really, I should say this out loud, I really like the movie, like a lot more than I even expected to. And I think they kind of nailed the whole Deadpool thing. I just think there, there is a challenge there to also still have a plot. Otherwise, it's just this nihilistic anarchy that, that you can't keep an, an audience sitting still for. Instead, they have to somehow balance as much fourth wall breaking as they can. Yeah. And like he even said, fourth wall within a fourth wall, which makes like 16 walls. Yeah. Great line. Uh, but, but at the same time, they, they, have to have the awesome. they have to have the action be convincing. They have to have his point of view not there when uh, Colossus is fighting that girl. Like there has to be this balance and it's hard and I don't know how they do it. And I'm very impressed with what they pulled off. The point, uh -huh. the point being yeah. that the, the, the language, the boobs, the, 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 uh, the violence, all of that stuff lends itself to this fourth wall breaking just as it does in his comics when it's written at its best. When you take Wolverine, that is not a knowing thing. That is not a self-referential thing. That is straight up. There's a guy named Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Logan, who is going to spend his time kicking butt and taking names and doing this stuff. And it's a darker, harsher story that gets you the R, not the just open-ended Now, now I will say this. I think Wolverine, Wolverine movies, just make better Wolverine movies that are PG-13. Yeah. I, I don't think that you necessarily need to make him R. Now, Wolverine <laughs> in a Deadpool movie? <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm so that would be cool. Yeah. I'm so excited. Like, like, for that to be the midnight run, 
where where Wolverine is like patiently having to deal with Deadpool and Deadpool is really excited that he gets to be in another movie with Wolverine except this time it's his movie that Wolverine is in uh that that to me is the ultimate that's the ultimate uh movie that I wanted to see coming out of Deadpool is 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 a Hugh Jackman Ryan Reynolds Wolverine oh, Deadpool be amazing the road but an awesome crossover uh be incredible Monica thanks for your call you are awesome and please get good grades because we need you in our future Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I take our next caller, and we have plenty coming in, um, I'm just going to say this. the My favorite thing about the movie, or one of my favorite things about the movie, was yeah. the use of Colossus in the movie. Um, he provided this sort of moral k- grandpa backbone to everything. He's older Colossus. He's not young and inexperienced. He's a seasoned X-Man. Yeah. <laughs> He's got... This sense about him of like always trying to get Wade to stop swearing, always trying to, you know, sort of keep everything uh, by the rules. He provided the perfect foil and I didn't expect it. I thought that was going to be dumb and wasted and just there, yeah. them just throwing another character that people kind of know. In the end, that was he was probably my favorite thing about the movie. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think it was so uh, it was a great counterweight, and it really did did this awesome job of showing the X Men like police that are just trying to like it's like uh, come on, can you just take the safety course? <laughs> like just just I mean like do us a favor and and just or, or like I don't know, let us know when you're gonna do something. Like we'll help you out. You could do more harm than good. It, it was it was a great reaction uh, to put us the audience in Deadpool's point of view to just look at Colossus as this big stodgy old fart. Yeah, he was great. I, I can't get enough of him. 801-895-4724 is our number. We have a caller on the line. Who's this? Uh, this is Stephen from Nebraska. Stephen, Nebraska. Man, we are all over the Midwest today. I know, much. dude. We're killing the Midwest. This is what I always love. This is why I had to do a real, uh, this is the, the Frog Pants Diamond Club crossover, the likes of which we have never seen before and may never see again, is so delightful because we just get to talk to all the Midwest. <laughs> we gotta. All we got to do next is figure out how to cross the two IRC channels and then all hell breaks loose. I know. No, that's the best part. It's a, a, real quick, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you in a second, Nebraska, but just quick thing. So I, I've been doing these these things in Iowa and New Hampshire to promote the contender, right? Yeah. Iowa, all frog pants people, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all the heartland, people coming in from all different parts of, of the Midwest and, and the, you know, the great breadbasket of America. Uh, we go to New Hampshire. It's all Diamond Club from Boston and and uh, and all parts all, all parts mass holes, right? It was just just an amazing just to know where the audience comes from. That's, uh, Nebraska, what did you think of Deadpool? And is there a, a movie franchise that you would like to see go hard R? Uh, I I loved Deadpool. I thought it was awesome. Um, there really wasn't I, much that I can complain about with it. But thinking about IPs that they could actually make into an R-rated movie like that, I don't think they can really do any IPs that they have currently. Because I think it will confuse a lot of people to go to, you know, if they make an X-Men movie that's rated R and has a lot of guts like the Wolverine thing, mm-hmm. it'll probably, you know, confuse parents and stuff like that. So I, they'd probably have to pick a brand new IP, maybe something that, but it'd be a little risky to pick something no one's ever heard before, heard of before. Mm. Um, well, they could almost take anything Mark Miller does, right? Like the, ja- uh, I almost said jackass. Uh, ba- uh, what's it kick called? Kickass. Kickass. Badass, jackass. It's hard R. It was hard R. And, and yeah. to to its um, credit, it was one of the first that everybody wore tights and that's how things went. And to its discredit, 
I also found it kind of, um, this is true of a lot of Miller's work, but it's very, there's an overt meanness to his work sometimes that didn't work with me. And, and in the case of, of, uh, of Deadpool, Wade is a character that is infinitely likable and yeah. has a good heart through all the sarcasm, through all the fourth wall breaking, through all that stuff. There's a good guy in there who just wants to live selfishly, but also in his own dumb way, make a difference. For me, there's that that just enough of a little positive spin made it so I liked him in this, and I didn't like most kick-ass characters. Most kick-ass characters made me sad. Like, they just yeah. were miserable people, a little bit psychotic, and there I didn't find any kind of, like, spark of goodness in them. Wade has a soul, and he's got problems, and he's got issues, and the way he expresses them is pretty crazy, but even the love story, as quirky and goofy and is based in, like, wacko tobacco that that whole relationship is based in there's something really sweet about it so so for me that's what works so when i try to think of like another property maybe the answer is hey marvel or hey fox or hey somebody why don't you take a very lesser known character take somebody like oh i don't know cable's not a good example but like some small although although cable uh it looks like either x factor or a a Deadpool two with Cable is definitely happening. Well, and, if that and, teaser thing at the end is telling us the truth, then yes. Then we're getting another Ferris Bueller. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I also think that uh, you know, in in that vein, another uh, writer who's like just personal anger tends to seep out a little bit more. Yeah. Is is Frank Miller? Yeah. You know, especially with like like Sin City two, and for whatever reason, it affected me a little bit more than reading the books. But it was like. It's like, all right, Frank Miller, we get it. You have a really complicated uh, relationship with women. Like, you know, like I think like I don't know how many times we just need to have women punched in the face or only as, you know, villainous of venom spitting sex objects that we need to be like, all right, like I, I, I get it. I get it. Like and that's fine. That's the art you're telling. It is an ode to these certain, you know, kinds of, of stories that have been told in the past. I'm not criticizing it art. Uh, I'm just saying. Eh, I get it. And and in the same way, I think your, your point with kick-ass where it's like, I mean, all these characters are very selfish and, and don't ultimately have even much to fight for aside from each other. Cause they've just been in the same movie for an hour and a half. And they're like, well, I guess I better fight for you because we've been hanging out for so long. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. And there's one other who, who makes preacher, uh, Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. He's a pissed off, angry dude that likes to make really bloody and uh, morally reprehensible characters. So maybe he could do something. He's he's a man with a complicated relationship to God, as evidenced by the fact that he made, you know, uh, uh, eight trade paperback (laughs) worth of comics about a man's angry relationship to God. (laughs) One that's much beloved. uh, Go ahead. I I don't think you actually need to do, you know, more superhero movies that are already like that. I just think it'd be better if they had came out with more action movies that were fun. Yeah. You know, actually do stuff like that. Like the, the, the days of, you know, I know the only thing that comes off in my head is like hot shots where it constantly, you know, quote unquote action movie, but it still broke the fourth, fourth wall and stuff. I just think that we just need more fun, you know, have a good time, have a few laughs, action movies, I guess. What was the, uh, what was the Keanu Reeves one last year? Um, uh, crap. The one oh, John, John Wick. John Wick. I yeah. freaking could take I could take another ten John Wick style movies a year if, if somebody would make them. You know, and I think I uh, thank you, thank you so much uh for calling in because uh that I think is is the big lesson. James Gunn goes on his Facebook today and says, Hey, 
Hollywood is going to learn the wrong lesson about why Deadpool did well. Uh, he, he points to a the box office report for Deadline Hollywood, which uh, quoted a, uh, a, a non-Fox executive as saying, the film, uh, talking about why Deadpool worked, yeah. the film has a self-depreciating tone that's riotous. It's never been done before. It's poking fun at Marvel. Marvel. That label takes itself so seriously. Can you imagine them making fun of themselves in a movie? They'd rather stab themselves. <laughs> Which James Gunn uh, on his Facebook while in Atlanta shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which could not be confused for a heavy weighted drama that doesn't uh, poke fun at the Marvel Universe, right. uh, goes apoplectic saying, hey, listen, let's take out Guardians of the Galaxy because I'm obviously too close to that. But what do you think Favreau and uh, Robert Downey Jr. were trying to do with Iron Man? Mm -hmm. What do you think Ant-Man was? This very serious retelling of Marvel's uh, <laughs> uh, weighted, vaunted catalog of, of tier one superheroes? No, it was a bunch of people that didn't take themselves seriously. Yeah. So that's already the wrong lesson that Hollywood's taking from this. Any thoughts? New caller on the line. Hi, who's this? James. James. Where are you at, James? Colorado. Ah, oh, sweet. We're getting closer to my country. We're I like it. We're moving west. Yeah, we're moving west. We're where the cowboys were. I guess they were everywhere. Uh, it's good to have you on, man. What's your uh, what's your take on this whole thing? What do you think about the the, the future of hard R? Uh, I think Iron movies? Man should be it. Okay. All right. Give me give me more. Where do you go with the plot? What do you do to make it R? He's a, a drunken alcoholic that loves women and girls. Come on now. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So you know here. Let, let let me let me see if I'm getting this right. You think that this is the moment now where you do the real, you know, in the morning he'll be sober or dead, uh, you know, story. You do the you do the big demon in a bottle thing, but like make it for real, leaving Las Vegas, like like him really uh, uh, hitting rock bottom in in spectacular Tony Stark fashion. Yes. Yeah, but how do you? Okay, James, let me ask you this though. How do you? Is it just simply, oh, here's Tony Stark waking up blind drunk in a hotel room, except this time there are eight naked ladies here instead of eight semi-clothed ladies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it starts to become semantics as to why it's rated R, where you can still explore those themes. Is there anything intrinsically about the Iron Man story or Tony Stark himself that makes him qualified to be a hard R hero? He has to look at the start of the series with him in bed. With cake. Yeah, with cake? I <laughs> the forgot your name, the start. Oh. <laughs> I like the idea that he's in bed with cake, either the band or the confectionery. Yeah, no, I like, yeah, it's just all of a sudden he wakes up and uh, it, it's the dulcet tones of, uh, <laughs> he's got wheels of polished steel. Uh, Thanks so for the call, by the way, but keep going. I want to I hear more about how, let's just ask you, Jerry, would you, I, I don't know that he's primed for this. I don't know if he's our rated our man. I, I don't think that you can do Iron Man. You're, you've already established Iron Man as an amazing franchise that is PG uh, to PG-13. It yeah. already has enough wink, wink, cheek to it. And Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark has this kind of almost, you know, a, a, a British level uh, witty repartee guy that like for him to add F-bombs yeah. into it would almost seem like, yeah, no, well, now it's just unfair. Like, you're already quicker than everybody, and now you're also going to add profanity to it. 
like in in a way that is not immature like Wade Wilson is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it always seemed like Wade Wilson's one line away from from throwing a, a that's what she said or something, <laughs> right? Like. Right. I, uh, I, I think what not, we're doing, we're kind of proving that they're never going to do this. I mean, as much as everybody wants to talk about it and make a big deal out of it, the more we talk about it, the more I realize that Deadpool is this and none of these other characters are this. Well, let's take a look because it's not just the unnamed studio execs, Scott. Okay. Oh, no, this is io9. Theoretically, a part of us, the, the geek media, the <laughs> geek chattering class. All right. They suggest something that I posit is thunderingly stupid <laughs> oh hey whoa the, the gauntlets throw down go i can't wait to hear what do they say here we go we're taking big shots here on the beta episode of hotline monday <laughs> i'm gonna name names too i'm gonna put my name on it All rob right. bricken okay. of io9 says this i have a theory and it's pure speculation fox has no idea how to handle the fantastic four franchise their last attempt a morose but thoroughly pg-13 reboot was a complete flop in a world where the public looks to be insanely excited for R-rated superhero action comedies, I could so, so easily see Fox asking for some screenwriter to turn a brand new Fantastic Four into a raunchy R-rated comedy. No. No, it doesn't work that way. You can't, It's we're not looking for the big joke, which is take an existing property that is beloved by children to adults for 60 years or more and say, now like, now let's make that dirty. That's like saying, all right, we need, um, I don't know, take something like All in the Family. Oh, no, yeah. that was dirty. That's a bad example. Uh, take the Cosby Show, for lack of a better one. Uh, uh, no, keep going. Keep going. Right. Keep going. No. <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> well, not, actually, that's a bad example, too. All right, take that's Family it. Ties. Fla- family Ties. We're going to reboot. We go. We're going to reboot Family Ties as a film series, and we're going to make it rated R. And Justine, the character, the uh, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name on the show, but Justine Bateman's character. Bateman. She's going to be just loose as a goose and constantly having sex everywhere, and it's going to be nudity wall to wall. And and the guy that Michael J. Fox played uh, is going to just constantly drop f bombs. You can't do that. That is, you can't do that. Like that's totally wrong. The thing with Deadpool is he's already that. All we're yeah. doing is a, is an accurate screen representation of Deadpool, a beloved character, right? Like who is this? He's the Merc with a mouth. Uh, he's somebody that that already, when we find him, he is doing odd jobs uh, that involve him pulling guns and knives on people mm-hmm. uh, uh, with a smile. So of course he's going to have a course uh, a set of course language. We go on by Mister Brickens' post. Maybe a version where Johnny Storm makes jokes about Mr. Fantastic expendable penis is what audiences have been waiting for. No, no, they, they're not waiting for that. He's got it wrong. Does he think that Deadpool was was this thing before and they changed him? Because that's he's wrong if he thinks that Deadpool was never this like five cent comic bright eyed kid buying it at the corner store character. It didn't exist that way. Deadpool has always been this subversive voice. It's always been that. This movie, if anything, is tame compared to some of his comic in- interpretations. So you can't, he can't, he's wrong. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'd eat sushi with him, but I don't I don't buy his article. He's in, hey, listen, he's great. He's great. He's a nice guy, but he's wrong. He's a liar, a loser, and he's wrong. Oh, just do uh, Trump. So wait, I, I want to hear. Do people think that a Fantastic Four R-rated movie is that something that somebody else would want to see? All right, let's find I'm out from. Curious. Let's ask this caller here. I don't know if they have an opinion on that, but we'll find out. Who's this? This is Amos from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Amos, you remind me. Oh, Michigan. That's still. What would that be? Michigan would be. Uh, they're Midwest still, aren't they? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Detroit is on Eastern Standard Time, which I always used to forget and be an hour late for things because you assume it's on Central Time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> all right. I what's, Do you think that, uh, I mean, you can't take Fantastic Four and turn them into a dirty, uh, dirty road comedy, can you? No, I, I don't think so, personally, no. Yeah, same reasons I said. Like, listen, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> the, the you're trying to, you're succeeding. Yeah, just like you can't. Uh-huh. Like I don't even like tonal shifts in Superman. What am I going to do with something like that with Fantastic Four, where they're completely different characters just because it's popular to try to make a movie that's hard R? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Amos, what do you got? Um, I think I don't know if this really counts. It's it's actually a manga, but uh, One Punch Man, I think, would be. It'd be pretty sweet. Remind us, give us a for those of us not in the world of of constant anime consumption. Tell the fine folks at home. Give them a give them a brief description of what One Punch Man is, so they know. Um, basically, it's the story of a of a goofball who decides he wants to be a superhero, and he trains so hard that he goes bald, but then gets super bored when he defeats everyone with one punch. So he so wait he goes bald he he's bald from training so hard. Yeah, he he goes he goes bald. Wow, this is some uh, these this is an aspect of anime I had not yet been exposed to. That sounds pretty great. I mean, listen, when 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 you one punch yourself so often, you're gonna go bald. <laughs> yeah, my mom always told me. You're it's always an old wives' yourself. tale. Turns out it's true in the manga. Thank you thank for your you, call. Thank you so much, Amos. Indeed, Amos, my favorite one of my favorite characters on the Expanse. Hi, who's on the line? Uh, this is Daniel from Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma! Look at that. It's uh, <laughs> uh, all rolls roughly down the rain. Or how's it? How's the song go? Oklahoma, when the sun comes up every day. Whatever it is. Yeah, somewhere down the rain. Something like that. Hey, give us, uh, give us your Welcome take, to man. The musical theater hour. Uh, we're taking your calls to find out what uh, Rogers and Hammerstein musical you love the best. Go ahead, caller. <laughs> well, I was just calling about you know the about one wanting to change stuff to hard R. I mean, that's just. Hollywood trying to, you know, change things because they see a success somewhere. But I mean, I think they need to go back to the tap on, you know, some old properties like Spawn or something like that where they failed before. But I think they could do it better now. You know? Oh, that's a great one. I'm so glad you brought this up. So I am a enormous Todd McFarlane fan. I am a fan of uh, that whole image exodus thing when they all left and stuck it to the man and started their own world and. And uh, heck, the we're, we're talking about uh, the creator of Deadpool himself over there. What's his name? Whose name just escaped me? Uh, Rob Layfield. Rob Layfield, who left with them and was all part of that deal. So you've got this incredible creative group, and Spawn is the real, you know, the flagship, the thing for McFarlane, the ex Spider Man artist and writer who was blowing everybody's minds. And here his his new thing is HBO comes out with an animated series. And it's amazing, so good that Spawn series, so so freaking good. So, funnily enough, we have news on a Spawn movie. Todd oh. McFarlane at the New York Toy Fair says that the Spawn feature film script is finished. Uh, however, it will be hard R, so probably a, a, a good news for him that Deadpool does so well. But do not expect it to be either a superhero movie or an action film, but rather something closer to Japanese horror with Spawn as an evil lurking character. Well, now, hold on. They've Now they've taken me so far on the other edge, I'd like to punch a, a donkey. Because you have <laughs> you have everything you need in the lore of Spawn to make a really good, dark, hard R hero movie where he is still a hero, 
I mean, the comic is sweary. The comic is dirty. The comic's got naked ladies in it. The comic has all the stuff people seem to want in their hard R's. You've got all the stuff you need. You don't have to fake any of it, but you don't also need to make him a villain or make him whatever he's just, you just described to me sounds terrible. Well, let's, let's just go ahead and let uh, Mr. McFarlane speak for himself. This right. is a quote from the New York Toy Fair. All right. In the background, there's this thing moving around, this boogeyman. That boogeyman just happens to be something that you and I intellectually know is Spawn. Will he look like he did in the first movie? No. Will he have a supervillain he fights? No. Is he going to be a specter, the ghost? I think they all work, the grudge, the ring, because there's only one thing in the movie that's normal. There's not five things. There's uh, there's just that boogeyman, so that'll be Spawn. This is a thing where he just whooshes in, this ghost that moves around that'll F you up if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the rest of the movie will look real and have a drama. He's just this ghost, this thing behind it. No, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> You take back all your compliments about Todd McFarlane. Yeah, Oklahoma, you have to agree with me. That sounds bad. If you're a Spawn fan, you you're with me, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the movie obviously was bad, but I mean, you know, maybe maybe instead of you know Hollywood trying to take over, one, you know, HBO you know, make another cartoon series, which was great. You yeah, know? that show was yeah. so good, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. Yeah. It was short though. It was like a, two seasons, and they were both short or something. Um, but it's, well, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure it didn't catch on good enough, but. Yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome. Thanks for your call and uh, have all the Oklahoma barbecue you can stand. I hear it's good right. there. Here, I got, I got, I got some pitches here for you. Give it to me. Movies that can be hard R. All right. Now it's probably too late for this because the movie's probably finished. Yeah. But Suicide Squad. Yes, that as should... hard R. Would you be more excited or less excited? More excited. I was talking to Kim about this last night. It would be. I would be more excited because I know they wouldn't have to cut some corners. And I'm not looking, look, there's a difference between exploitation and getting the R because of natural story reasons or character reasons. Yeah. And I think that that, that story would have lent itself well to a, to a hard R move. I, mean, I keep saying hard R, just R, whatever rating yeah, it needs R-rated. to be. Right. But that, you know, these are the worst villains the DC universe has to offer up. And they're being yeah. recruited to do good, but they, in some cases, don't know it. In other cases, know it, but it's their only way out. Like, there's a lot of really interesting threads running through that entire series. I've read a bunch of the comic stuff. It's really, really good. It gets really, really dark, and I'm, I'm a little worried that the movie won't go far enough. I also, what gives me hope is, I also realize that today a PG-13 can get you a lot further than it used to. Sure. Maybe even more so with hero characters I, I in it. Think, I think that... Uh, Suicide Squad is going to be good. I think I think it's going to be uh, enjoyable. But at the same time, I think that would have been an opportunity where they could have went hard R. Because again, a movie that is using, I mean, obviously the Joker is in it. Who knows for how much of it he is in it or right. in what role he is, right? Mm-hmm. But Harley Quinn is going to be your big, you know, this is supposed to be Margot Robbie's big star turn, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, a, a superhero franchise kind of opportunity for her. I think her having having a, a you know being surrounded by an R-rated movie is very very interesting. It is even well, and the only other movie I've seen her in was as hard R as you get. It was Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, and she is naked in there. Is she? <laughs> oh yeah. No. Yeah. Oh yes. Everybody else. is You know naked. who I can confirm that with the person on the line right now who we may know. Listen and tell me if you know who this voice is. Okay. Um, hi guys, uh, first time caller, long time, uh, first time listener. Uh, 
<laughs> wow. I had to crash your show. That's Girls fine. crash ours. You no, know, it's fine. You should crash it. You should come in here and talk to us. What do you, I, I know you're a Margot Robbie fan. She was naked oh, in that movie. Very, very much a Margot Robbie fan. And, uh, the one injustice that they did to her in Wolf of Wall Street is not let her use her her Australian accent, mm. which is uh, if you hear in the Big Short, holy cow! It's like the the perfect storm of right. All right, settle but down. Confer- but confirm, Tiger. But hold give me, on, give me just a minute. I'll call you back in a couple. <laughs> confirm this with me, though. She was naked, and she was buck naked in that movie. That's the story. Yeah, the um, the story. She was naked in the movie, but there were there was uh, uh, a question about whether or not she used a body double. Oh, yeah. No, I remember hearing something about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, Ibit. I'll take it though. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. She had a hot body double. We're all just squirrels trying to get a nut, literally. Right. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what movie franchise? What comic franchise would you like to see? go hard R, or are there anything that we've talked about that you either agree or disagree with? Well, you, uh, here's the thing. You guys have been talking about all these. You're, you're wrong on all of them. Fantastic Four, no way. Come on. Um, yes. No, the one that needs to be done is uh, Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Oh, yeah, dude. Which is an image. I think it was image, it right? It is image, one? yes, it is. And it, um, you know, wouldn't have to go so far on the nudity side, but it uh, it's a it's a a heavy-handed, gory comic because it needs to be. Stuff happens to Invincible. Stuff happens to Invincible's dad, and it has to be shocking and and mind-blowing when that stuff happens. Completely agree with this. <clears throat> this is a great pick. I can't believe I didn't think of it earlier. Invincible's Here, Taylor And, and I haven't read the book, so I don't know for sure, and this might be great, and there might be a lot to this universe that could benefit sure. from a hard R, but, or, or just R, right? Yeah. Uh, when we talk about like, oh, you have to feel it. That to me, emotionally, comes from so many other things that are really not affected by the rating, right? Like mm-hmm. Deadpool, for all of its flippant silliness, does make us care about the cancer storyline. It makes us care about uh, the fact that he is betrayed even when he thinks he is kind of giving it all up in this, uh, in this uh, experimental uh, situation, right? We care mm-hmm. about all those steps. And to the point where it, we feel his own internal struggle and that he, when he doesn't want to go reconnect with the love of his life. so right. <clears throat> Which is exactly the problem I had with Kick-Ass. I didn't care about yeah. those characters. I didn't care if the kid got his butt kicked or his ass kicked, I guess, would be the yeah, appropriate exactly. way to say it. Everyone sucked in that movie. But I guess like, like for a movie that needs to make you feel about a character, I think that's all done in the script and doesn't really make it any more or less interesting if you see you know, a big bloody face or, or, you know, right. uh, the, 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 we linger for eight seconds on the horrifying, uh, uh receipts of something terrible. Done okay. I got I have a good, I have a good explanation for this and it's, it's in your wheelhouse, Jerry. When the, uh, when, when they accidentally shoot the dude in the car in Pulp Fiction. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's no way that scene is nearly as impactful, shocking, uh, timed or whatever. If they didn't, have it be kind of graphic. The dude yeah. in the car in the garage without a head. Yes. Marv. 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 Marvin. <laughs> Marvin. If right. they hadn't have done that, it wouldn't have had the same impact. It fed into the overall thing that, that Tarantino was doing to us in that movie. I think Invincible, because I know what Brian's talking about. There are scenes, parts, and stuff that happens in Invincible that if you don't go that way, 
the shock mm-hmm. is lost. You have to be able to feel I, I, it. I, I, yeah. But I mean, but it's not like in that movie in, in in Pulp Fiction we went full Cronenberg, right? And and saw the head like you know the right. the, the head exploding like a melon, right? No, but yeah. you came pretty close. I mean, seeing the after effects, in my opinion, is pretty close oh, to no. as bad as seeing oh, the actual. I actually would go the other way. I think that you can take away that shot and just see Jules and Vincent splattered. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that scene doesn't play all that differently. Okay, that's a fair point. Like I'll give, I've been saying this all year about Fury Road. There's, uh, in my mind, there's no reason to give Fury Road an R rating except for maybe the scene where the baby is removed from the dead mother and turns out the baby didn't survive either. They don't actually show anything. Yeah. They just show some tubes and what looks like a foot and it's very purposely not graphic, but it's worse almost because your imagination kicks in and goes and starts going crazy about what you're seeing. And it's really horrifying. It'd be worse if they, or it'd be better if they showed it in some way. Otherwise you have to imagine this, this horrific time. I think that's why it got its R rating for sure. I'm all about that, but it's just, I think they, do do they show any of the, any of the wives naked and in in the beginning? Oh no, 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 they don't No, They show them walking around all hot and sexy working on a, you know, trying to get the rig back together in their white working working on some night moves <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't nobody was ever naked in that movie that i well they had the breastfeeding huge ladies but i yeah. i don't i don't know that that did anything for anyone um it rated r for wet nursery <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that movie sometimes i mean this is an argument about how movies are rated and i think it's all kind of ridiculous but a lot of it is just no, nobody knows what to do with a movie like that they see that that well, and also it's and, like that—that's a movie where the violence gets, you know, uh, 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 cranked up to a point where you're not really it doesn't benefit it from keeping it at PG-13. You know, the, right. the 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 spectacle of it and and the moments there are justified for that level of violence in a brutal uh, post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, but by comparison, I don't know. I still don't understand why the Matrix was PG-13. Makes or excuse me, rated R. I don't understand how the Matrix got an R rating and not a PG-13 rating. There's nothing in that movie. They don't even f-bomb in that movie. And there's some violence. It's mostly gun stuff, and none of it is gratuitous. It still makes no sense to me. I just think at some point, reviewers or raters they see this stuff and they don't know what to do with it. They just look at it and go, "Well, this is weird, and we've never seen it before, and it makes me feel funny, so I'm going to give it an R." I think that uh, happens. Right. Different conversation though. We can save that for a future show. Um, I'll jump off here, guys, so you can. Uh, I'll free up the phone line for uh, some other schmucks. So, we're going uh, to miss you, Brian. Good. <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. I might so talk much. to you both tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. Maybe. Coverville's uh, Coverville's own. That's right. Coverville.com, everybody. Coverville on Twitter. Go check them out. Anyway, Jerry, you were going to say the outskirts of Denver. All right. Let me let me ask you something. All right. I believe that the biggest loser loses loses this week. Because Deadpool did so well. Okay. Batman and Superman <laughs> and the movie that is going to come out wherein they fight, except for apparently at the end when there's another monster that we've already seen in the trailer, therefore invalidating the title. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I think that if that movie doesn't do above what Deadpool did, yeah. if it's the second best superhero movie yeah. of the summer, which now it very well might be. <laughs> That's not a good look. That DC ties together their two biggest franchises and they can't squeeze past 
Ryan Reynolds I'm and really, Deadpool and yeah. Megasonic Teenage Warhead? <laughs> I'm a little concerned, but not because this movie may give them a challenge. I'm uh, meaning Deadpool. I'm more concerned how uneven the trailers have been. So I'd really like the first trailer for Batman v Superman. I really hated the second one. I was uh, kind of okay with the third one. Hated the one that came after that, and then this final one is really cool. So, I like no, no. I like the the, the final one because the final one actually made me care about like, oh look, that's why Batman doesn't like Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh look, that's why Superman doesn't like Batman. Okay, we understand that one's a human and one's indestructible from Krypton. Yep. Oh wait, the last scene in the trailer is uh, Batman showing that he can physically stand toe to toe with Superman. Now they're even for this one fight. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. I'm ready to see this movie. And if it weren't for the fact that we've been fed a steady steam. <laughs> Of uh, you know, uh, 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 just the the lowest base, a low down fanboy orgasm inducing, uh, you know, like oh Bruce Wayne, you're meeting me. I'm Clark Kent. I'm a reporter. Oh Lex Luthor's here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if us Wonder Woman showed up to the same party. Let's lasso her on over here. <laughs> like. <laughs> No, I, you're not wrong, and I'm really worried, and I don't know what to think. I want to, I really want to be excited about it. That Lex Luthor stuff seems really wrong to me, but whatever, man. Look, it's gonna, that movie's gonna do gangbusters. It's gonna do really well. But will it do, will it do better than Deadpool? Well, Deadpool has a lot to prove in two weeks. Like, they have to see how, if they can be retained. No, 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 no. Let, no, let's just look at opening weekend. All right, opening weekend. I'll bet 35 opening weekend. Yeah. Is nothing to sneeze at. Again, better than Man of Steel. Yeah. I'm I'm actually I'm actually going to make the argument that it will not beat that number. That the Superman v Batman is going to have trouble out of the gate That's compared to that. That's a disaster. Yeah. For 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 Warner Brothers. Yeah. It's bad. That's, that's bad. That's a bad look for the That's like people get fired. Bad. You, that's the end of oh. that's the end of a couple of careers at that point is what you're saying. Yeah. Hi, you're on the line. Who's this? Oh, this is Graham. Hello, Grain, did you say? Graham. Oh, Graham. Okay, I kind of liked Grain, because that's kind of cool. I'd never heard that before. That's, but that's, well, that I, is Grain. No, yeah, Grain. Yeah, Grain. Anyway, Graham, I'll take Graham. Graham's fine. Graham, where are you from? New Brunswick. Oh, that's fantastic. New Brunswick, everybody. That's They make all the bowling pins, right? <laughs> no? Well, we do have a lot of trees. Okay. No, that's that's old Brunswick. Oh. Eastern Canada. <laughs> Uh, passing of a generation. Hey, what's on your mind? What's your what's your take on all this stuff? Oh, I was wondering what you would think of a saga movie. Saga, oh saga. Sorry, saga. we're in a, I'm in a different part of the world than you. <laughs> <laughs> like saga. What the hell is a saga? Saga. <laughs> saga. No, you mean like you know? I I used to love my saga Genesis. You know, I plug in Sonic the Hedgehog, and I just uh, I like to play Tales yeah. and Sonic Two. I'd say I make mine saga. Screw that Nintendo. Saga. Uh, well, I'll, we'll give you this answer off the air while we take another call. Thanks for the call. Let's answer this. I think Saga is maybe one of my favorite comics ever. Um, I think it's incredible and it is very adult. Uh, but it's also very non-traditional. Like for all of the adultness of Deadpool, it's playing on the tropes of standard tights and capes type adventure stories. And it's yeah. in that world. I mean, they shares the world with the X-Men and other Marvel heroes. So, so in a way it has an advantage over something like Saga because Saga slash Saga uh, you know, like the Star Wars saga, yeah, uh, is a is a story that is wholly unique, very very different, um, tonally like nothing quite anything out there. Um, it's a mix of 
old ideas and new ideas and future ideas and and mashups of all kinds of eras and styles and it's such a different kind of book that I that I think I think he's dead right it would make a great movie and it would have to be R but it will not have the the mainstream draw of of Deadpool there's not a chance it's too well, small no I mean you know but but the question is there's a lot that people had to introduce Deadpool you know that that had to be done to introduce Deadpool out to a wider audience I think it was just the fact that they did it successfully that that really should be commended. Yeah, I agree with that. Hi, That's, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Buckeye Fitzy from Ohio. Wow, we love Buckeye Fitzy. You can give me some legal advice while you're here. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, he. How are uh, you guys uh, doing? We're doing good, man. What's going? What's the perspective of a lawyer on all this? So I didn't know anything about Deadpool. Not a big comics guy. My wife and I went since we had a, a night without the kids. Went and watched Deadpool. We loved it. Loved the sense of humor, was taken completely by surprise by it. And as to what you guys have been talking about, I would rather them continue to introduce you know, new characters that those of us that aren't into comics, uh, you know, we haven't seen, rather than you know try to turn Fantastic Four or some of these other characters that we already kind of know and love dark. Yeah, uh, I think that's the way to go. So, 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 so I want to reiterate this because that or, article or, on IO9 pisses me off. There, there, the article is suggesting that this needs to start a trend of converting existing properties to be this edgy thing. That well, isn't what Deadpool is in the first place. It well, was, to to be fair, what what Mister Bricken at IO9 is saying is that Fox will ask for this, right, and that maybe audience want it. So, I mean, like, to be fair to him, he might just be saying, hey, look, this is just something that's going to happen, whether or not we want it to happen or think it is good that it happens. Uh, the fact, but I think like, a Buckeye's point is perfect. Look at the most popular characters that have made the biggest splash in pop culture. Deadpool, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot, right? <laughs> yeah. These are characters, the likes of which nobody would have any uh, uh, thoughts about and are now kind of finding this this uh this new life you know uh, th there was there's always been this joke of like name the most popular characters in comics mm -hmm. that were made after 1970 and you kind of couldn't because all the big canonical ones were made uh back in the 60s you know during the first big boom now you're seeing a lot of these characters that really may have been invented earlier but really took hold later uh in the 80s 90s and maybe even we'll see some here in in, in the uh post y2k era mm -hmm. but these are characters that people want to see we're hungry for new characters and deadpool i guess will pass as that despite the fact that he's you know as uh, older than i am you know <laughs> yeah i mean he's been around for a while but i think and i think a lot of people know him just from like seeing that mask seeing that cosplay but they don't know what he's doing they don't know anything about it they think he's another ninja looking dude uh, which, by the way, I just want to make this one comment about one of the ways the movie succeeds in a way that I don't, I'm not sure other Marvel movies have, and I mean all of them. Yeah. The, the costume is dead perfect. Like, they're bad at, at, at some of the others. It's like, well, Captain America looks pretty goofy in the comics. We need to not have fish scales on his arms and those little white little bird things on his head, and we got to, yeah. like, flatten that down into an image or whatever and have him some shoulder pads, a little more armor or whatever. And I'm yeah. fine with that treatment because it makes sense. You can't have Wolverine from the comics work as Wolverine in the movies. But yeah. you what they were able to successfully do here, and maybe this is a tribute to Liefeld, I don't know, but uh they basically took Deadpool and converted him pert near perfect. Like he looks so authentically Deadpool that it never I mean, once do like, I think like, it looks bad. Like like really you want to know who really probably gets credit for that? Who? 
the 90% of cosplayers that have dressed like Deadpool at every comic convention for the last two decades because even kind of crappy Deadpool costumes still look sort of rad. Yeah. You know, you, you stand them up next to other people that spend a bunch of money to be, do the latest and greatest rad stuff, and Deadpool still kind of looks cool. So that costume, in real life, we have mountains of photographic and video evidence to say, yeah, no, you have a skinny person in that costume, it looks pretty rad. Yeah, I'll give it to uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, though, for filling it out real well. He looked nice and buff under that thing. Oh, jeez, so. what a beefcake, that guy. Yeah, he's gone. He's come a long way since two guys and a pizza girl, or whatever the name of that show was. No, no that was it. It was two guys <laughs> and their uh, horrifying invention <laughs> of uh, a girl and a pizza hybrid that they <laughs> ate in more ways than one. Nothing That's right. this fall to ABC. Oh, boy. Boy, they're gonna have to cancel that after one episode. All right. Uh, before we move on, I wanna I wanna hear about your take, your hot take on Steve Coogan reuniting with the Hamlet two director. <laughs> because first of all, none of those words make sense to me. I know who Steve Coogan is. I know what Hamlet is. I don't know shit about the rest of that. Uh, all right. So this is this will be our parting shot. All right. And maybe we can get just some rapid fire calls if other people have movies like this that they just love. Yeah. But I am obsessed with this movie Hamlet two. Okay. Hamlet 2 is a film starring Steve Coogan. This is just when he started to sort of break into America. He was obviously big in Britain with his Alan Partridge stuff. And uh, I had known him from uh, his, his, uh, his work on, on The Day Today uh, and, uh, and Brass Eye. I think he also did stuff there. But uh, he stars as his drama teacher okay. in, uh, uh, oh man, somewhere in Arizona. <laughs> and uh, he's this complete out of it goofball. Right. Catherine Keener plays his wife, who is like the meanest, like to him. She's just unbearably mean. He's got this like great soul, but he winds up having a nervous breakdown and writing a script for his high school drama club for Hamlet 2. Okay. So, of course, you might think there's a line in the movie everybody dies at the end of Hamlet. He's yeah. like, yes but I have a device. And so they're reading the script and it's the two main characters of Hamlet open on them in a time machine. And then he points at the script and says, that's the device. Uh, uh, and so it, it, this is all about uh, Hamlet 2, this bizarre high school production of his original play, Hamlet 2. And he's playing bu a bumbling so British, like he's not an American accent. He's like British himself, right? No, I think he has an American accent, but it doesn't okay. matter. All right, it, all right. it, it's never really distracting. It's got great performances by uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue playing herself. All right. Uh, uh, Catherine Keener, of course. Uh, David Arquette, former WCW champion, is also in it, playing a great David Arquette role. Uh, there's, it, It's just amazing. And now he's reuniting, Stephen Coogan is, with the director of Hamlet 2, who has done a bunch of TV but not a whole lot of feature films. Uh, called An Ideal Home is the new movie, uh, wherein Steve Coogan will uh, be a uh, in a in 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 a gay marriage okay. with Paul Rudd as uh, Coogan's long lost grandson shows up at their door. Oh, the uh, perfect home or something. Uh, uh, an, an ideal, ideal home. That's it. Okay, I saw this separately. Didn't realize there was any connection with some old movie. Now you make me want to see Hamlet too. 
You need to see Hamlet too. Okay. I, like, all right, real quick. I want at least two calls of people calling in and just yelling about a movie that nobody remembers, nobody likes, but whenever it gets brought up, you just jump <laughs> up and down and yell, "That's my favorite movie," because that is Hamlet too. All right. If you call, if you call in, use this number. But remember, if your phone is unlisted, it may not work. Sometimes those come and I can't add them. They just float out there because they won't let me. Uh, 801-895-4724. And uh, call it now. We'd like to hear what movies you absolutely have to force down somebody else's throat uh, <laughs> and make sure that they see. For me, it's... Um, I probably have a couple of these. For me, it's two... Okay, I'll give you two movies. One yeah. is uh, Time Bandits. Remember Time I'm, Bandits? Jeez, oh, just amazing. I, I love that movie. So good. So good. And second for me would be Avalon. Nobody ever knows about Avalon, but Avalon What's was Avalon? a... Avalon? I don't know Avalon. It's a Barry Levinson film made in 1992 or three, something like that. And it's basically about his heritage, people coming to America, uh, and uh, this sort of we Jewish. We talked about this on something. We may have brought it up somewhere. Yeah, I no. love that movie. It's the first thing you'll ever see uh, Frodo in. Uh, I can't think of Frodo's real name all of a sudden. What's his real name? The guy that played Frodo. Uh, 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 Baggins. Yeah, bad bro Frodo Baggins. There, him. <laughs> I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, on the line with us, telling us his movie that he has to force down everyone's throat is Ralph. Ralph, what's up? Hey, Joe versus a volcano. Okay. All right. Remind, Joe versus... Remind us, it's Tom Hanks, right? Tom Hanks, John Candy. And you know, it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's first pairing together. Oh, I thought that was... Oh, I have that wrong. I thought it was after Se uh, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle. But no, you said... It's just a lovely little movie, sort of a fairy tale. Uh, got Abe Vigoda in it. Okay. Nathan Hale. All right. Uh, Druids, Islanders. Yeah. Uh, Brain Cloud. John Candy's in it, right? There's no John Candy. Why do I have no John Candy? Candy? Why am I thinking John Candy's in it? Because you thought he played the ball game. Because you're messed up. You always want John Candy. <laughs> no, there's uh, a reason why I think that. There's some other movie he's in or something with him. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, by the way, the Avalon thing, right? You know that's a whole trilogy, right? No, I didn't know Avalon was a trilogy. Yeah, the whole Barry Levinson, Tin Men, Diner, Avalon. Oh. It's a whole. Well, they, so, yeah, but, but Avalon would be technically the first in the trilogy then. Right? I don't know. Because Diner's about him growing up, trying to write and hanging out with friends in the diner. Yes. So that's him being older. And that probably picks up right around the time Avalon ends, which is in the 70s, even though it starts in like the 40s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, no, this, this it says uh, that it does have a relationship with his other Baltimore films. This, according to Wikipedia, Levinson likes to place links between his films that are set in Baltimore. A Hudson automobile purchased in Avalon is later purchased and used in Diner, and the house that the Krachinsky family leaves to move to the suburbs is later used as a residence in Tin Man. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not a trilogy like Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> it's not the continuing adventures of that Ford? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic movie, and I cannot recommend it enough. People should be checking that out. All right, let's see who this next one is. So we have a, we have uh, Joe versus the Volcano. Listener, uh, what do you have? What do you got? Uh, I got two movies. Both of them are complete crap. But I love them. Okay. Uh, All right. Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Okay. This movie sucks. And uh, to me, it's amazing. You see, like, a young George Clooney in it. No one ever remembers he's in the movie. And uh, Karen M. Waldron, which is, like, the reason I got my first heart on. And <laughs> Evolver from, uh, like, 95. Like, this movie's crap. It's about some guy who wins this video game thing. Uh, they bring this little robot to his house. It comes to life. 
and it just kills everybody. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's like it's a film sack movie that that needs to happen one day because it's just it's just D list crap. Well, we did do we did do Return of the Killer Tomatoes, and you're right, that thing is terrible, awesome. Um, and people. But that, that, that- was almost genre defying as terrible awesome yeah. right like that's like like the point it's almost it's curious to see uh, 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 sir how old are you i'm 29 okay like so so you're a little bit younger than me like that movie was a generation before minds like oh our older brothers liked uh, you know return of the killer tomatoes yeah. right like yeah. like it was yeah. So now it's like, it I is. don't know if even some of that, like, oh, wink, wink, this started a a kind of uh, a genre of those, uh, obviously, trauma movies, like, uh, whether that's even still with it, whether that context is still there, or if it's just a pile of poop movie. <laughs> yeah, it could be, but I mean, like, it was, it was very self-referential. It did things like, it broke the fourth wall, um... It was kind of in there. It's, it, I wouldn't put it on the level of like airplane or anything like that, but it kind of had that that air about it where it knew what it was, and you know, uh, it it knew it was crap, but it just it lived it. It loved it. Anywhere that you, and, any uh, movie where you got your first boner uh, is a good thing to bring up on the show. Exactly. Thank. Uh, yeah. Listen, right. we are. Uh, you've given this show its first boner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's that's really something that's very very important. Yeah. Also, a, a good thing to point out, you know, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was a I knew it first as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. that's that's how, how in in the mainstream uh, it was. Well, and they knew they had toys. They had that was a weird thing. That was like when they took RoboCop, this very kind of again hard R movie, and turned it into this kids' toy line and a and a cartoon and some video games and like they that was a very uh, there was an effort back in the day to take these roughed these rough bits of entertainment and and dumb them down for kids not dumb them down but put them in a place where kids could go out and buy this stuff and try to maximize money oh, by the listen, way i don't know uh, why i didn't mention Waterworld. i'm an idiot Waterworld is my number one everybody should watch Waterworld. i love Waterworld. i watch it once a year every year and i know it's crap i know it's garbage okay is all right but let me ask you this because and maybe for younger people Waterworld is just a movie that is thought to be bad yeah, right yeah but for me, Waterworld can never be a hidden gem because it was so famous for being so expensive and 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 flopping so hard. You no, know, you're right. It put it's 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 a hard thing to define. I mean, for me, it comes down to the ever seen paper guy and a freaking peeing on a tree and then drinking it, or a yeah. girl with a side ponytail and and uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite is the girl with the map on her back and like weird little weird stuff. Like Denver, Colorado is where you can go down and look at the all the stuff underwater or just stupid, stupid stuff. I love that movie. Listen, if you're going to ever have a pack of guys with guns and uh, they just, the desire to kill you, but you all live on water, you better have them all slightly submerged in black jet skis to do it. That's an amazing thing to see in any kind of film anywhere. Uh, and Jack Black in Waterworld. Was Jack Black in that? I don't remember. Jack Black's in Waterworld. I forgot. How do I not know that? I see it every year. Well, you need to look for old Jables. All right. Uh, Waterworld. The next I'll give it a shot. We have one last caller on the line. This is who? Who are you? It's George Schwartz. George? Is that what you said, George? Herschel. Like from The Walking Dead. Oh, from the... Oh. Herschel. 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 Got it. Yep. 
All right, Herschel. With Thank the... you for calling in. We're looking for movies that you love that you got to shove down people's throats because they are are either reviled, uh, but any everywhere else but your heart. Uh, what do you got for us? Last I brought it up, and didn't really talk about it. The movie Airplane. With the airplane. Liam they really well. Okay, the airplane is an interesting take because that movie is purposely parroting the. Uh, it's a parody of the '70s yeah. era, like disaster films, right, Jerry? Is that how you put it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was huge in the '70s. Uh, the airport films uh, were were famous for it. That there were these dramatizations of real life uh, kind of stuff, where earthquakes and plane crashes and, and stuff like that. This was uh, obviously the, the the Zucker Brothers opus, mm -hmm. and uh, I can tell you that Airplane was one of the movies that I demanded my mom continue to rent for me at a blockbuster in Ranchos Penasquitos, California, when I was growing up. Uh, we rented uh, Airplane so many times. I love Airplane. But I don't know whether or not that's something, because you tell somebody, hey, go watch Airplane, and maybe things are different now, but, I mean, like, that's a comedy classic. Right, yeah, like, yeah. like, like they'll show that at the Oscars uh, when they do a reel of famous comedies. Yeah. There's all, yeah, like yeah. But, but our mo our local movie so theater does it. Friends to watch it. So, mm -hmm. so when you, so what's what's their when you show it to your friends? Are they like, I've never heard of this, or do they know what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, like most of them just never heard about it and just wasn't into it. I'm like, how is how do you not think this is funny? Like, oh, it's the it's the epitome of funny. It's dumb funny. It's dad joke funny. I mean, it should be called Airplane Movie: The Dad Joke Edition because that's all it is. It's just dad jokes one after another. But it's fantastic. Oh, it's, no, but it's so much more. Uh, you bite your tongue. Johnson. Think, think about it. It's stuff like, oh, the shit's really gonna hit the fan, and then somebody throws a turd in a fan. I mean, that's basically what it rolls into, right? Hey, but, listen, uh, Leon's getting larger, and uh, <laughs> there, there is some great comedy in there. You know, come on, uh, uh, don't worry, ma'am. I, I speak jive. Like that's that's a that's an amazing that, that movie is so great. It is great. The Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, like should have uh, had, the, had the fish or whatever. Yeah, it was great. You try dragging Walton back and forth up the court. <laughs> no, it's good. All right, we do have one more call. Hi, who's this? This is Stephanie. Oh, hi, Stephanie. I I we I talked to you on TMS, didn't I? Yes, you did. You have the Stephanie <laughs> the Stephanie voice coming through loud and clear. What's going on? What do you think? Um, I wanted to throw in a movie that's crap, but really funny. All right. Uh, Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford. Oh, my gosh. That's now the... That, here we go. Now we're <laughs> cooking with gas. Six Days, Seven Nights, Harrison Ford and Anne Hayes. Anne Hayes. Yeah, this is right yeah. before she went nuts and wandered around the neighborhood naked or whatever she did. Remember that? That whole thing? Yeah. Yes. Tiny baby alien. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So wait, I I I have to admit to never have seen have seen this. So it was it was it terrible? Was it okay? Like I feel like um, it's a thing of its time a little bit, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but I it's stupid funny. They get stranded on this island, and Anne Hayes is kind of like a crazy person, and Harrison Ford is just quippy and hilarious. I don't know if quick is the word or not, but yeah. <laughs> um, he's just kind of angry at her the whole time, and you get a little more snark out of him than you wanted in, like, you know, uh, Four Years of the Lost Ark or something like that. Sure. And I looked it up on IMDb, and I didn't even realize, like, Danny Trejo's in this movie, and Allison Janney and David Schwimmer and stuff, so it's wow. just stupid fun, probably good film sex movie. Yeah, I, but, uh, it sounds all right to me. Is there action in it? Is it? Uh, it's them getting lost, right? No, they get stranded? It, 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 it's, it, it's a romantic action comedy, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that part. But the plane, there's like a plane crash and stuff, so there's like a little bit of action, pirates or something like that. Um, <laughs> somewhat suspenseful. <laughs> All right. Oh my God! By the way, the movie that might have killed Harrison Ford uh, as 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 a a relevant actor, he does from '93. We start The Fugitive, yeah. Clear and Present Danger. Yeah. Before that, Patriot Games, Regarding Henry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's starting in 90 with, uh, with, or 91 with regarding Henry by the time you get to six days, seven nights, that's, this is 98, uh, <laughs> after that, oh, Air Force One, maybe the movie that, that was him at his biggest, right? Yeah. Air Force One, uh, or his last gigantic movie as a star and then, uh, six days, seven nights. And then past that, man, whole lot of random hearts and what lies beneath and yeah. K-19, the widow maker. It's a little rough. It's a little rough until Star Wars again, honestly, including Indiana Jones again. That was a terrible film. Oh, jeez. The more, the less we mention about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, the better. Well, Cowboys and Aliens, Morning Glory. <laughs> Yeesh. <laughs> it's real bad. Wasn't the K9, K19 Widowmaker? That's in there somewhere. K19 The Widowmaker, 2002. Yeah. No, he really only good. did a movie a year. Yeah. Harrison Ford belongs in a museum, Dad, is what he should have said at some point there. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. I think we have uh, we have talked to death about this. We are now going to beta end this show. Before we do that, though, yeah, a couple of quick notes. Uh, I think this will be our plan is Mondays. Obviously, it's the name of the damn show. Yeah, so um, Mondays. I like this time, uh, five p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Uh, that is two p.m. Pacific. If you would like to tweet us, it is at Hotline Monday. Yeah. If you would like to give us your thoughts on the show. Send it to hotline monday at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet uh, myself at Justin R. Young and Scott at Scott Johnson. That's right. We will soon have a website up and available with all the links, feeds, and everything at frogpants.com slash hotline monday. I hope to have that up the next couple of days. And also, you know, iTunes and all that stuff will have their things going on. But for now, you'll be able to get this show through those Twitter feeds and uh, via the Hadpool group and all these places, we'll make sure you're aware of it so you know how to get this stuff early uh, before the raw feed goes live and all that. Uh, I think that this could be the number one sh podcast on iTunes. Of all time. When it debuts. I think for one shining day, we can come on here next Monday with the with the podcast feed launched and we could we could really make a, make a stink there on the iTunes charts, but we'll save that for next week. Scott, I had a great time. I had a wonderful time. I hope people did too. And by the way, you guys were off the hook on the phones. That was exactly what we wanted and needed in our lives is you guys hitting the phones hard. We want you to do it again next week. Please hold on to that number. Again, as a reminder, it's something to keep on your phone. 801-895-IRAGE. 801-895-4724 is the number. Call us next week when we do this again for Hotline Mondays. Justin, that's it. Thanks, Adios. everybody. We'll see you guys. Thank you, live listeners. See you guys next week. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club, I hope you've enjoyed this program. <laughs>